this morning, Isaiah chapter 46. And I'll, this is this message today. You know, I like to do messages that are. You know, I like to do hard preaching, and I, I like to get mean sometimes or controversial. But this is more of a, a, a message of motivation today. I want to encourage you with it. Uh, and there's a lot of just great things in the Bible, and I hope this will help you today because I'm probably not the only one in here that's ever struggled maybe with doubt or fear of. The future, the unknown. I'm probably not the only one in here that's ever worried about anything, and so I'm going to guess I'm not I'm not alone in this. And so uh, this I know has helped me. This verse we're about to read, and I hope it'll be a help to you today and an encouragement. And I want us to really just to think about some things. I want us to get in a right mindset. That if we would have this right mindset. I think it would really help us a great deal. I think it would make a huge difference in our life. And so let's look at Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 8. It says, Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like Me. Declaring the end from the beginning... And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. I want you to notice verse 10, that declaring the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. You know, something that all of us struggle with on a regular basis is worrying about tomorrow. And just trusting God is something, it is, it's much easier said than done, but it's something that God does expect us to do. God absolutely expects that from us. And notice that declaring the end from the beginning. This is something that's pretty tough for our minds to comprehend because really all we can see is we can see the present, right? And I guess we can look back on the past too. We can look back on history. But most of the time, you know, and I think it's wise to look back on the past and remember things, but most of the time in our society today, we're pretty much just focusing on the present. And the truth is, we can't see the future, can we? We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But according to the Word of God here, we see that God, He declares the end from the beginning. From the beginning, God knew how everything was going to end from across the board. God knows where you're at right now and He knows where you're going to end up. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't, but God knows that for sure. And So some things that I think will help us to trust God is first of all, I think we need to understand the difference between God and every other God. And when I talk about other gods with a small g, the false gods. Look at the beginning of this chapter. We didn't read these verses, but look at verse one and two. It says, "Bel boweth down." Bel and Nebo they were false gods during those days. Bel boweth down. Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. God is basically saying here that Bel and Nebo, they couldn't handle the challenges. They got taken captive. They failed. They couldn't handle the burden. And one thing that we need to understand is the difference between our God and every other God. While yes, the other gods of this world cannot deliver when things get tough, our God can. You say, well, what other gods are you talking about? There, you know, there is no other God besides the true God. But at the same time, there are things that we make gods that aren't really gods. 
For example, a God in our nation today that's very powerful is the God of money. Alright, there's no doubt that that is a God today. And the truth is, the God of money, when things get tough, it's not going to help. I mean, when things get difficult, when you're, I mean, when you're, if you're dying, okay, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You have that incurable, Ill, you know, incurable disease. When you're, maybe your family's struggling and there's, you're, they're making wrong decisions. Your money's not going to help you when that, when it comes down to those things. There's some things it just can't do. But our God can handle those things. When it comes to your eternal soul, the God of money is not going to be able to keep you out of hell. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how much you give to the poor or give to the church or give whatever. That's not going to get you out of hell. Only blood of Jesus Christ can save you from your sins. Only the true God can make a difference there. And there is a huge difference between our God and every other God. One of the reasons people have doubts and one of the reasons they're fearing is they're trusting in other gods. They're looking at their situation. They're looking maybe at their finances and thinking, I'm in trouble. I'm going to die. I'm going to starve to death. Why? Because you're trusting in the God of money. And you know what? That God, it's going to bow down. That God, it's going to be heavy laden. It's not going to be able to deliver you when things get tough. But the true God can. The true God can. When things are difficult, that's God is the only one that can deliver us. He is unlike any other God. He said right there in verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God. And there is none like me. Okay, the God that we have is different from all other gods. Now, I know this isn't politically correct what I'm about to say, but our God is better than Allah. Our God is better than Buddha or whatever the other false gods are out there. There is a huge difference, and there are many people today that they live in worry, they live in doubt, and they live in fear, and it's because their gods have failed them over and over and over again. There are people today that they can't figure out, you know, they their faith has been shaken because, you know, they did everything that Dr. Phil said they should do in their family, and it hasn't seemed to straighten out their family. They listened to all the psychiatrists, they read Dr. Spock, they did all those other things, and it didn't deliver them out of their problems. It didn't fix anything. I mean, they watched the Oprah Winfrey show every day when it was on. And they followed all her advice on marriage, even though she's not married and never been married. And it still didn't work for them. And their faith is shaken. And then you go and you try to share the Word of God with them, and they've had so many gods fail for them, they don't want to have faith in this God. But we've got to emphasize that there is a huge difference between our God and every other God out there. He is not like the other gods. And people... I can understand the skepticism with all the failures out there, with all the false gods and all the things that people have tried and just don't work. But we've got to get the message out that this God that we're talking about, He is the true God. And they're not all the same God. you got the people out there, oh, God, Allah, Buddha, you know, they're all the same. I remember there, there was a Star Trek episode where they went to some planet and they found God on the planet. It was supposed to be God and He like his face was like transforming into all these different gods, you know, to make kind of all the religions happy. And it ended up not being God anyway, but it's like, because why would God need a spaceship to get off a planet? You know, it was, it was really stupid. But that is kind of the Hollywood attitude of things. It's all the same God. No, it's not. There is not all the same God. There is one God, and that is Jehovah God. And he, 
sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, who paid for our sins. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to have victory. He is the one true God. And there is a difference. And we need to understand that people are. They're skeptical because they've had so many gods fail them over and over again. And listen, if you want to try to trust in some of these gods, you know, the gods of money and pleasure and all those things, go right ahead. But they're going to eventually, they're going to let you down. And they are going to fail you. They can't deliver. And our God, He is unlike any other God. People think I'd be happy, I could have security if I just had enough money. Listen, do you have any idea how fast money can go? I mean, you know, a lot of people, oh, if I just had, you know, $100,000 in savings, I'd be sad, I'd be happy, I'd have no worries. You know how fast that could go? One car accident where you do something stupid, you get sued and that's gone. You know, one medical thing that's unexpected. I mean, there, it can go so fast. It is not a good foundation. It's not something that you can trust in. It's not something that's going to keep you safe. But boy, that's what we're all about. And a lot of it, well, it's not so much about the money and the security. Some people, they're God. It's just pleasure. It's entertainment. They think I'd be happy if I could go and I could visit all the places in the world. If I could have the nicer things and nicer cars. And they think those things will make them happy. Those things will give them fulfillment. But yeah, we have all these millionaires and all these Hollywood people committing suicide all the time. Why? Because their gods failed them. They can't deliver them. They can't do anything for them. And thankfully, our God is not like their gods. He is unlike any other god. And I'm proud to say that. I'm not ashamed of it one bit. Alright? I mean, we've all, you know, maybe, how many when you were kids maybe ever got in that argument? You know, my dad's stronger than your dad. You know, my dad, you know, you get into those things sometimes. And, uh, you know, that's probably not a good thing. But, you know, we can say and be right, our God's better than their God. And, okay, it has nothing to do with us being better. Okay? But our God, He is supreme. Our God is He is He is the one true God. And there is there is a great difference. They're not all the same. But we also we need to understand that we're only capable of seeing the present when God can see the end. Okay, it's like I guess the way you look at it, you know, we've all been there before where you sat and you watched a movie, and when we watch a movie, we watch it second by second, right? We watch it frame by frame. And you know, we don't use VHS tapes much anymore, but you know, God, when He sees things, I guess it would be a way to illustrate it. It would be like if we unrolled the whole tape and spread it all out, He can look at it all at once and see the whole thing. You and I, if we were to look at it all at once, if we spread out, you know, we'd have to go down the line, you know, we'd have to, we'd have to follow it along to see, you know, what's going on and try to process all of it, because we, we can only a little bit at a time, but God sees the whole thing. He declares the end from the beginning. How many of you have ever done that before where you were watching a movie and you're like, ah, I know what's going to happen. You're always trying to predict the ending. And I've ruined a few movies like that before. You know, ah, you know, oh, look at those two that just happened to bump heads. You know, I wonder if they're going to fall in love. You know, and you've all done that before. And sometimes you get it wrong. You know, you got the ones that have the twist, that have the ending that you weren't expecting. But with God, He's never surprised. At an ending, he's not surprised at any outcomes. He sees what's going to happen, and the things that God said are going to happen are as certain as though they've already happened. Go to Revelation chapter thirteen, verse eight. And once again, we're we're 
start, we're going to be kind of we're kind of going into some territory here that we're really not qualified, I guess you could say, to get into or, or to, to completely understand. I'm not going to pretend that I've got my mind completely wrapped around this. But look at what Genesis or Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says. It says, "And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him." Talking about the beast, talking about the antichrist whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, talking about Jesus Christ, slain from the foundation of the world. Okay, The Bible refers to the Lamb as being slain from the foundation of the world. Now wait, how can that be? How could He have been slain from the beginning when he didn't, Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross until about 4,000 years after the beginning? How could He have done it then, what's going on? What's that talking about? Well, go to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. I want to show you something else that I think might help explain this. Okay, We're going to have to think a little bit. I know it's morning time and some of you might not have had your coffee, but let's try to put our thinking caps right on and try to comprehend something. We might get a headache here a little bit, but let's try this. But Romans 13, 11 says, "...and that knowing..." the time that now is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So let me ask you this. Are, are we saved yet? Okay. If, if you, when, you know, have you ever heard people talk, like, for example, myself, I got saved. I give the testimony quite often how I got saved April 30th of 1986. Okay? I say all the time I'm saved. But yet, here we see he's talking about now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Like they don't have it yet. What's that talking about? Because I stand here and I tell you that I'm saved, yet I'm still a sinner, aren't I? Didn't I ask Jesus Christ to save me from my sins? Why do I still sin? Why am I still struggling? And basically, if we can wrap our minds around this, and I hope I'm not confusing you, I believe when a person calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says they shall be saved. I believe I believe I got saved on April 30th of 1986, yet at the same time, my salvation is something that has yet to come. In other words, if I can, if I can explain it this way, I believe that what you could call salvation is basically when we become like Christ, which is going to be at the rapture or when we die to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Then we are saved. We are like Christ. However, when someone believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, based on the Word of God, okay, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you came to that point in your life where you realized you were a sinner and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you called on God for salvation, you might as well just say you're saved. Because you and I, even though we can't see the future, God can. And when that day came where you realized you were a sinner and you called on the Lord for salvation, it, I mean, you, God knew, I mean, right then, mark it down, God, they're going to be in heaven. They someday are going to be like me. It's going to happen. And so when the Bible says that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, basically what it was saying, God said it was going to happen way back at the beginning. God said, God prophesied it. God said it was going to happen back in the beginning. Therefore, it was going to happen. There was no one doing it. There was no stopping it. It was as good as done. 
Okay? It was as good as done. It was a certain... I mean, you've, you've all watched the movies before. My dad used to do this. We'd be watching a movie and you know, and it was one of these that you know, it looked like it, things were all going to turn out bad. It looked like the person was going to die. And my dad would be like, oh, they're not going to make it. We'd be like, Dad, we've seen this movie before. You know, <laughs> Superman's going to save him or whatever. And no, no, it's different this time. You know, and you know, of course, it always had the same ending. All right, because you know we'd we'd seen it before. Okay, it was it wasn't going to change. And when you call on the Lord for salvation, or when God in the beginning said that the Jesus Christ was going to be slain, I mean, it was as, it as good as happened. The fact that God said it was going to happen, it was as certain as though it already happened. And God said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so when you call on the name of the Lord, it's as good as happened, folks. There's nothing we can do to change it. There's no altering it. It is going to happen. And I'm not saying that you all aren't saved right now. You are saved. Why? Because God said that you're saved. God said that your salvation is coming. You called on the name of the Lord. So we say it in the present sense, but at the same time, there's verses that talk about it in a future sense. But if it says it's going to happen, it's as good as already happened. And when God said Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross, when the Lamb would be slain, even though in our timeline it hadn't happened yet, it was as good as done. And some say, you know... You know, and it's it's debated. You know, those Old Testament saints did they go to heaven when they died, or did they go after the resurrection? Because Jesus Christ hadn't died on the cross yet. But at the same time, if they believe God and God said that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross and He was slain from the foundation of the world, then maybe we could say. They did go because even though it hadn't happened yet in their timeline, the very fact that God said it was going to happen made it as though it had already happened. Anybody confused? All right, I'm not going to tell you that I totally get all that. I'm just going off what the Scripture says. And it's more than our minds can completely comprehend. You know why? Because we're not God. All right? There's not, he, we're not like God. His ways aren't our ways. We can't see things the way He does. But He declares the end from the beginning. And so for you and me, okay, for, for myself, when I was five years old and I knelt down by my bedside and I called on the Lord for salvation, okay, God who sees it all saw me in heaven someday. He saw that. Now me, I'm still seeing things second by second. Okay, I, I haven't seen myself in heaven yet. I haven't seen myself standing before God on Judgment Day. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't experienced that yet. But God who sees things across the board, He sees me one day walking into His presence and walking into heaven. And if God sees it, if God says that's going to happen, it is going to happen. And in the meantime, I just got to wait for it. I gotta wait for it. I'm anxious. I haven't seen it yet, but God has, and I'm excited about it, and I'm looking forward to when it happens. And that's how we can be saved, even though we're still sinners. And that's why it sometimes refers to our salvation as in the is in the future tense, because it's not all complete. But now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Why did it throw that part in there when we believed? Well, because that's when we got saved, right? That, that's when we sealed our fate, folks. That's when you sealed it. It was done when you believed. And now it's getting closer and closer, isn't it? 
I mean, it's getting closer and closer. We don't know when it is. We don't know when the rapture is going to come. None of us know when we're going to die. But we know it's closer. We are that, we are one day closer to being like Christ. We are one day closer to being completely free from sin. And I'm looking for I'm looking forward to that day. And so, you know, humans we're we're great at saying what should have been done after the fact, aren't we? But after that, it's too late. I mean, we've all been there before. Whenever there's a, whenever there's a tragedy. Oh, this should have been done. You know, that should have been done. You know, the government should have done this, and and then the government's like, yeah, we should have done that. So let's go ahead and raise taxes now, and let's do put all these more things in place where we can control you to make sure nothing bad ever happens. And we see how that happens all the time. That's another subject, but we are great at knowing what should have been done after the fact. We're all experts at that. Everybody was a professional football coach. After this last Super Bowl, you know, when the one coach made the bad call and the guy intercepted it, after it happened, everybody was an expert coach. He shouldn't have done that. Okay, and we've all, you know, we've all done that. We've all been there. But, but how much does that help? You know what? After he made that call, he knew that was a bad call. I shouldn't after I shouldn't have done that after the fact. But it's too late then. But with God, He knows. He He knows the the end from the beginning. And you know what? Here's something too. Because we're in a panic. Let's just admit it. Sometimes we get in a panic quite a bit. But yet, can anybody? I, I I racked my brain trying to think about this. Can anybody think of anywhere in the Bible where we ever saw God in a panic? I, I can't think of one spot. And I, and you know, and there are some pretty horrible things that are to come. Yet we don't see God ever. In a panic, we never see God biting his nails. I heard one say one time, "You know, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? He knows it all across the board, and God has told us not to worry." Okay, why has He told us not to worry? So why would He tell us that? There's plenty of things we should be worrying about. No, He sees the end. He knows the end. And if He told us not to worry, that means there's nothing to worry about, doesn't it? Because so we, we don't know what's ahead. There's all kinds of things that we can worry about or think about and the things that we can fear. But God, who's already seen the end, has told us to be of good cheer. He's told us not to worry about it. And it's, and, I mean, for us to be in worrying and in a panic and, and in doubt, it is a sin, folks. We need to realize that. We need to confess it to God when we do it and admit it that, hey, that's a sin. Because nowhere in the Bible do you ever see God in a panic. Verse 10 says, My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. What I say is going to happen. What I want to be done is going to come to pass. God said, and he. He wasn't in a panic. Things got bad all the time in Israel. Things got bad all the time in the Bible. But you know, when the children of Israel were panicking at the Red Sea, was God in a panic? God knew what was going to happen. God knew what He was going to do. I mean, just God has God never told any in the anyone in the Bible. Think about this: God never told anybody in the Bible to do something that didn't work, and He told them to do some pretty goofy things. For example, Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. Go march around the city for one time for six days. And on the seventh day, march around seven times. And then after that, everybody start yelling. Well, that's not a very good battle plan, is it? But yet, God told them to do it. And it worked. Didn't it? 
It, it absolutely worked. Remember Gideon and his battle against the Midianites. Hey, go from 30,000 to 3,000 against this multitude that can't even be numbered. That wasn't very good advice. But it worked, didn't it? Even though it didn't look like it should work. I mean, look at you know, Moses just you know, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. You remember God told, God told Moses there at the burning bush to go and deliver them out of Egypt. And God didn't tell Moses everything that was going to happen. And remember, first Moses went to Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go. And I think Moses thought Pharaoh's going to let the people go. But he didn't let the people go, did he? And boy, everybody got mad at Moses. Pharaoh put the extra work on him. And Moses is panicking. The children of Israel are panicking. But God, He's up in heaven. He's not panicking at all. God had a plan. And He sent that first plague. And Pharaoh you know, didn't do anything. And He sent the ten plagues. And finally, they let him go. And But when you read that story, Israel and Moses were panicking all the time. But God never one time was in a panic because He knew from the beginning that was going to happen. He knew that they were eventually going to be at the Red Sea. And He knew that He was going to block the chariots of Pharaoh off with a wall of fire. He knew that He was going to open up the Red Sea. He knew that Pharaoh's army was going to come after them and that He was going to drown them. God knew what was going to happen. And while they were all in a panic, God never was in a panic. And everything that God had told them to do, as foolish as it seemed, it worked, didn't it? It absolutely worked. Think about Naaman the leper. Naaman the leper. He's got leprosy. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, that's not doesn't make any sense. That's not good advice. He but it worked, didn't it? It absolutely worked. And Naaman, I imagine he got kind of worried after the sixth time, and he came and he's still just as leprous as he was before. But God wasn't in a panic at all. He knew what was going to happen, and sure enough, exactly what God said would happen. Happened, and there's example after example in the Bible where God told people to do things that didn't make any sense. God told them to worry, not to worry, when you and I would give them plenty of reason to worry or think they would have plenty of excuse to worry. And yet, at the end of the story, you see, they shouldn't have worried. They were fine, weren't they? Everything turned out just the way God said it would happen. And just like those things worked, so will things like. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. How in the world could that save you? We're just like Naaman. How could just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ save somebody? How could just me praying and asking Him to come in my heart save me? How could that work? How could that do anything? Listen, just do like God said in the Bible. He just wants us to trust Him. And He doesn't ask us to do big things. He doesn't ask us to do hard things. He just asks us to have simple faith. And it always works. And everyone who's ever called on the name of the Lord has been saved. Everyone who's ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ has been saved. And that works. Just like go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel. That works. I know people today, they don't think it works. They think that we're past that time and it doesn't work in this society. But it works. Things like ask and it shall be given you. That's awful simple, isn't it? But yet we doubt it all the time. But yet it works. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise 
And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. The way God does things, He told, he told us His plan or His methods right here. He uses foolish things. He uses the little things, the things that are despised, the things that we wouldn't expect. That way we can't glory. That way we give Him all the glory. That's the way things work. And listen, if salvation was by you nailing yourself to a cross and hanging there for a day, or by fasting for 40 days, or by crawling a mile on your hands and knees across broken glass, well then you'd have reason to glory a little bit because not everybody could do that. Not everybody is capable of that. A lot of people would give up and quit, but you'd be able to glory. And God wants all the glory to go to Him. He's the one that deserves it. And He's chosen things that are simple. God's simple plan of salvation. And it works every time. And so, we should never allow present circumstances to cause us to doubt what God said would happen. We're not going to read through the chapter, but I encourage you to read Psalms chapter 73. The whole chapter. And it talks. It's a psalm of Asaph, and he's talking about how he he looked at the wicked, and he saw the way they prospered, and he saw all the all the wickedness, and just nothing was happening. And he said, "I was I was this close to slipping. I was this close to getting myself in trouble. I I was doubting because I saw the prosperity of the wicked." And then he said, "And finally, I until I went into the house of God, and then I considered their end." And when he realized what the end of them was going to be, he didn't envy them anymore. You and I, we might look at the wicked and envy them a little bit. Boy, it sure looks like they're having a lot of fun. Boy, those those people that you know just you know that stayed home and slept in, and the people that spend Sunday you know, Sunday nights at the bar. I drive by that one bar uh, on Sunday nights going home, and it, they got more cars out there than we have out here at the bar. You know, they, and they might be having a good time. They might even be having more fun. In there than we do here. I don't know. I haven't gone in there to check, and I'm not going to. But even if they, even if they are having more fun than we are, if you consider their end, it'll change your tune real quick. And you and I, we can't see the end. And God asks us to do some things sometimes that might be difficult. But you've got to understand why God may ask us to suffer here on this earth. God sees us standing before Him someday on Judgment Day and receiving the reward. And after we get that reward, man, we're going to be glad that we suffered for Christ. We're going to be glad that we did whatever it was that we did for Him. You and I can't see that right now. We look right now and think, man, this is tough. This is hard. I don't like it. Why is God allowing me to go through this? And it's because He can see where it's going to bring you. He can see where you're going to end up. He sees your face on Judgment Day. when That thrill on your face when you have that reward. God sees you entering into heaven someday. And He sees that. He sees you being reunited with your loved ones. He sees your face when you behold His face for the first time. You and I can't see it right now, but God already sees that. And so He doesn't feel bad asking us to suffer a little bit on this earth. He doesn't feel bad allowing us to go through some hard times if He knows it's going to bring us to Him. There's people that they got saved as a result of some horrible circumstances in their life. 
They were going through a difficult time, but through those circumstances, it brought them to salvation. And there may have been many times where they were alone and wondering, God, why are You allowing me to go through this? Why are You allowing me to suffer this pain? And it's because God knew that one day, as a result of that, You'd come to Him. And He knew that one day that you'd stand before Him and He would wipe away all tears from your eyes and you would say it was all worth it. And you and I can't see that, folks. I can imagine, I can wonder what it's going to be like, but I can't see it. But God can. And we've got to understand whatever you're going through right now, whatever it is you're facing, God knows how it's going to end. And He's told us not to worry and we need to be obedient to Him and not worry. The Bible says, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. We've got to understand God sees things different than we do. He sees the whole picture. And I don't know what's ahead for you. There may be some dark days ahead for some of us. There may be some difficulties that we have to face that are tough that you and I, we just feel like we can barely take it. And we're going to... It'll be easy to doubt and to wonder. You know, Job, I guarantee you. You know, he we see he he was wondering what was going on. And you know what? God wasn't worrying when that was going on. Because you know what? God saw the double that he was going to get in the future, didn't he? So when God allowed Satan to take that all away, God's not in heaven, up in heaven thinking, oh man, what am I, what's Job going to do? Job's just lost everything. God saw what the end of that story was going to be. God saw Job chapter 42 when Job could only see Job chapter 1. He saw it, and so he wasn't worried about it. And God sees the final chapter of your life. He sees you standing in His presence in heaven one day, and He's not worried about what you're going through right now, and you shouldn't be either. We should just, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Just trust Him. He sees the end. There's no need to panic, folks. So then I want us all to stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.